Welcome to Do Theology. This is Ken, and we're officially in the off-season of Do Theology. Jeremy and I are both working to develop some new content for you to come in the new year, but until then, we're in the off-season, and to continue to have content flowing for the next couple of months, Jeremy and I will both be recording or releasing, uploading content from our personal ministries that might be from our blogs or from other arenas, uh, but for you to enjoy and hopefully for you to have edification through them. So today we will be playing for you a couple of blog articles, one from Jeremy and one from myself, some post-election thoughts that we hope will be helpful for you as we continue to navigate these interesting days. So first you will hear a blog from Jeremy and then from myself. Let us know what you think. Send us some feedback at show at dotheology.com or on Twitter at dotheology. Thanks. Have a great day. Hey, everybody. It's Jeremy. The election isn't quite over yet. Uh, As of this recording, Donald Trump is still planning on protesting the results and probably suing people six ways to Sunday. But it does seem as though in the end, No matter how hard he tries, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to take the White House. And so I uh, wrote this little devotional in response to that reality, and I realize I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, um, then in many ways, praise the Lord. But if I'm I'm right, uh, also in many ways, we need to praise the Lord, as as Ken talks about in his article. But uh, let me go ahead and, and read this for you. It's taken from my website, jeremyhoward.net, where you can find lots of articles regarding what God has said about people, the church, culture, music, and more. Toward Post-Election Renewal For all intents and purposes, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have been declared winners of the White House. Is it over yet? No, not by a long shot. But at the same time, it kind of is. I'm not excited about a Biden presidency or a Democrat-majority Senate. Not only do I disagree with the policies of the DNC, but I repudiate the worldview that serves as a foundation for said policies. The advocation and support of murdering preborns, sexual perversions, and socialism are all completely indefensible from the Christian perspective. In my flesh, I'm tempted to be frightened, knowing that many of the left's desires could be fulfilled in short order. But I'm also a firm believer in the phrase, every change is an opportunity for improvement. Considering Christian America, I'm hopeful that as Trump flags are taken down from front lawns and dually trucks, more American Christians will have a renewed sense of trust in heaven alone rather than in Washington, D.C. When a conservative leads in the White House, a mirage forms. American Christians see him as a champion for their causes and thus expectations are set up. Dreams are developed. Hopes are inflated. We're prone to think that we'll start to experience a slice of heaven on earth because a right-wing man is the chief executive. This is not the way it should be. Our trust is not in men. A couple of weeks ago, I wrote that conservative leaders and thinkers are faulty support harnesses. Having functioned rightly for a while now, they could fail at any moment. And I stand by that. However, when there's a non-conservative, or perhaps I should say anti-Christian, in the White House things are seen much more clearly. It's understood by American Christians that Washington does not desire to uphold and advance the Lordship of Christ, but instead they desire to tear it down for the sake of their own fallen desires. This is a much better place to be. 
We're stripped of the mirage and given a dose of reality, that we depend on God and his good news alone. Let us move forward together in the hope of Jesus Christ. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. This article is from KenChipChase.com. Thank God for Joe Biden. Editor's Note At the time of writing, Joe Biden is not the president-elect. I wrote this anticipating that he would eventually become the president-elect, but failed to make it clear that he is merely projected to be the president-elect. The Electoral College votes on December 14th. Well, this has been quite the week. Obviously, things are far from over, as we all anticipate the inevitable legal and court battle over the election results. My anticipation is that things will stand as they are, with Joe Biden being the president-elect of the United States. If there was no widespread voter fraud, then Biden is the legitimate president-elect and should be dutifully sworn into office in January. But even if there was significant voter fraud that swung the election from Trump to Biden— I'm a bit skeptical that our system that allowed this to occur in the first place will be the knight in shining armor that comes to the rescue to vanquish the evil that is within. Therefore, I am preparing myself for a Joe Biden, and potentially slash eventually a Kamala Harris, presidency. So now what? Now we pray. Up for the challenge? On November 1st, I taught a lesson from 1 Timothy 2 that has been a personal challenge for me, and I write here to challenge you with the same text. Quote, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. ESV. Notice a few details here. First, that this is behavior that Paul urges. Paul's whole letter was written about how the church should conduct herself, 1 Timothy 3.15. And the first thing that Paul writes about is praying for all, but especially for kings and others in authority. Second, he uses a fourfold command about how to be praying for others, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. Though there is some overlap in these words, each word's meaning has its own nuance. Supplications are requests or entreaties. We come before the Lord asking Him for things. Prayers is a more general term that carries the idea of simply holding up someone or something before the Father. Intercessions has the idea of praying on behalf of someone with their requests, needs, and desires in view, and thanksgivings is just as it sounds, thanking God for these individuals. Third, he writes that such prayers should be directed for all people but especially for kings and all who are in high positions, that is to say, any in positions of authority, be they emperors, governors, mayors, legislators, justices, or presidents, we must pray for them. When President Trump was elected into office in 2016 and in the years following, I have heard so many Christians expressing their thankfulness to God for him. In fact, I can confidently say that in my short time on this earth, I've never heard so many Christians pray for and thank God for a governmental official more than President Trump. But how many of those same Christians prayed for President Obama during his eight-year stay in the White House? And I'm not talking about imprecatory prayers. I'm talking about the prayers that Paul describes in the passage quoted above. 
I know for my part, I certainly did not pray much for President Obama, to my own shame. Many thank God for the Supreme Court confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett. But how many prayed for and thanked God for Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Is that not what this passage calls us to? When Paul wrote 1 Timothy, Emperor Nero was the supreme ruler in the land. If you aren't familiar with this era of history, Nero was one of the most wicked emperors Rome ever had. Between murdering his own mother, a stepbrother, and two of his wives, and severely and mercilessly persecuting Christians for their refusal to honor Caesar as lord, Nero's reputation was well known and quite feared. And yet, Paul writes to Timothy, urging the church to pray for and thank God for kings and all who are in positions of authority. I don't know about you, but this is hard for me. How do I thank God for a man who represents a platform that is so diametrically opposed to a biblical worldview? When I pray out loud, thank you, Lord, for Joe Biden, I nearly stumble on the words and they're difficult to pass my lips. I find that I must first pray, Lord, help me bow my heart before you in obedience to what you have commanded. Help me submit my will to yours. Finally, when Paul gave that command, he did so for a reason, and that reason is recorded in the last part of verse 2. Quote, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Paul's desire was that we be untroubled from pressures from without and free to live godly lives within. Pray for your leaders so that we may live in peace and flourish in the faith. In light of this, it's a bit ironic that we would struggle to pray for these leaders. With the way most Christians are concerned about what a Biden presidency means for this nation, you'd think we'd pray for him more than ever. After all, Paul directly says that doing so is for our own good. And yet, we struggle because we, and myself included, find it hard to swallow our own pride and thank God for what he is doing. If Biden is sworn into office, God is the one who placed him there after all. Thank God for that. Now, praying for and thanking God for these leaders does not mean we support their agenda. It does not mean we pray for their agenda to be successful or anything of that nature. We can simultaneously be grieved at actions and policies that are advanced and thank God for these leaders and for what the Lord is doing in the world, even if we don't understand it. This is part of what it means to walk by faith. And as long as the wicked prosper, we can comfort ourselves with Psalm 37. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourselves, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Psalm 37, verses 7 through 11, ESV. Until Jesus returns, there will be wicked rulers. But fretting only leads to evil in our own hearts. Until he returns, we must be still, waiting for the Lord. Conclusion Unless something changes, Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. Praise the Lord. Thank God for Joe Biden. As difficult as that might be, that is our Christian duty. Perhaps God may use our very prayers as the means through which he saves Joe Biden. Father, as I pray this before you today, you know my own heart. 
You know how difficult it is for me to thank you for leaders I'd rather not have. Please cause me to submit my own will to yours. Receive this prayer today and be glorified through my offering. Thank you for the projected president-elect Joe Biden and projected vice president-elect Kamala Harris. Though I did not vote for them nor desire their leadership, this is who you have ordained for this nation. Help me honor them as your word instructs. Thank you that you have made them in your image, after your own likeness. Thank you that you know what you are doing in America, that your ways and thoughts are higher than my own. I pray that you would save them. They have gone their own way and have forsaken you. Have mercy on them and save them. Make them aware of their need for you. Glorify yourself in their salvation. As for me, create in me a humble and contrite heart. Help me forsake wrath, anger, and fretting. Cause me to rest in you. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening today. We hope this was edifying for you. Uh, you can reach out to us at show at dotheology.com or on Twitter at dotheology. And of course, we are on Facebook as well. So we thank you for listening. And until next time, do theology.